Welcome to the Recovery Edgecast. My name is Alfredo and I'm an alcoholic. Over the weekend, we had a day in AA in Johnstown, Colorado, hosted by District 23. Several of our groups rounded up some speakers for us and we went over the steps. In this first episode, we discuss steps one, two, and three. Uh, questions are given by the audience, which uh, they did not have a microphone, so you may have a hard time hearing those questions, but I hope you can still get something cool out of this. It was a lot of fun, and I'd really like to thank the participants, the speakers, and, uh, you know, without further ado, let's go ahead and uh, get started. Thank you. Is this on? How does this work? Okay, there we go. Um, yeah, so... Uh, like Alfredo said, my name is Sean. I'm an alcoholic, and I'm Cody. I'm an alcoholic. So, uh, yeah, we were uh, we've had about ten minutes to prepare for this. So, forgive me if I'm a little <laughs> a little nervous right now. Um, luckily, these are steps that I do on a pretty regular basis, and uh, hopefully, can talk to it for a little bit. Um, I guess I'll you want me to just go first. Or? Yeah, if you want to jump in. All right, I'll just jump in. Um, so my name is Sean. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, my sobriety date is 10-24-2011. Uh, uh, my home group is the New Hope Group in Firestone on Friday nights. Uh, we meet at 7 o'clock. Um, yeah, so I guess to just jump right in, you know, first step, we, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol. Oh, so we're talking about steps one, two, and three. Um, I think the format is we'll both just talk for like 20 minutes or something and then any questions or uh, comments that y'all have or discussion I think happens after that. Um, so we, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable. You know, this step, when I, when I first came into Alcoholics Anonymous, um, the, the first first half of this step was was super easy. I, I was there. I, I had no power left over anything in my life. Um, I, I was beat down. I was defeated. Um, but I had this inkling idea that there is still manageability in my life. Um, I, I wasn't a super low-bottom drunk. I, I, uh, I still had my car that was paid for. My house mortgage was paid for. And... Um, I stayed mostly on top of my bills, usually late, but you know I paid them eventually. Um, so I, I thought that was—I thought that meant I was managing my life. Um, it turns out that uh, my concept of manageability was was a little bit screwy. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the parts of my life, the important parts of my life, that um, I should have been managing, like my marriage my job, my, my personal relationships with my parents and my brother, uh, those things I completely failed at at every turn. Um, my bottom, I lost my wife. She, she left me. Well, she just kind of stopped coming home, really. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I got laid off from a job that I absolutely loved. And, um, you know, I, I spent the next two months just basically trying to kill myself with alcohol. And nothing else in my life mattered. Um, you know, so when I, when I got here and my, my sponsor asked me to write down what, what it meant to be uh, manageable versus unmanageable, uh, I really had to explore um, 
how I treated people and how I treated, um, you know, the, the, the things in my life that really carry forward, you know. Uh, just because I paid my mortgage and paid my car bills and my other bills, those things don't, don't last in my life. The things that laughed, lasted in my life are, you know, my relationship with my parents and my brother, um, you know, the, the relationships with my coworkers. So I really had to take a hard look at, you know, the way I approached those people, my emotional life, controlling my anger. Um, so that that was that was a little bit hard because it, it took a lot of a lot of searching to figure out how to how to get there, you know, because my for my whole life, um, my idea of manageability was wrong, um, you know, and that was thirty three years of of built up uh, error <laughs> of wrong thinking. So that, that was, uh, that, that was, um, it was new to me and it's something that I've been able to carry forward. You know, when I, when I see myself getting angry a lot and irritable with people at work, I really got to come back to this and think about how I manage my, my relationships with people. And, and luckily, cause I had no idea how to do that. <laughs> like I, you know, I, I was clueless. Um, so the, the, the rest of the steps really gave me a, a good perspective on how to do that and taught me um, how, how to approach life in a healthy way. Um, but since we're not talking about those steps right now, um, <laughs> we'll go on. So the, the, the second step, I guess, is, you know, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity You know the, the the idea here is is to have to have hope, um, to you know kind kind of ex, I guess explore um, what what the insanity was in my life. Um, it, it's it's been a while since I, I really um, wrote down what the insanity looked. The insanity in my life back then was pretty clear. Um, you know. Drinking, drinking a handle of whiskey a day was fucking insane. <laughs> you know, screaming at my wife over the telephone because she didn't come home when I thought she should come home was insane. Um, you know, not calling my parents for weeks on end when they knew I was drinking like I was drinking and they were worried that I was going to show up in a hospital or worse. Um, that was crazy. Um, that was very unhealthy and... Um, there was a there was a lot of tears writing about that stuff, you know, realizing that the way I was living my life was um, hurting people around me, and that's the last thing I wanted to do. Um, uh, on the flip side of that, you know, uh, trying to figure out what what sanity looks like, you know, I, I don't know if I still to this day have a great. <laughs> idea of what sanity looks like. Uh, you know, I, I try and go about my days now um, looking at what's in front of me and trying to think about, you know, what, what God would have me do in that situation, how, how God would um, have me uh, love the people around me. Um, and, and I don't always do that very well. I'll be totally honest with you. I, I, I fail at this all the time. Um, 
but thankfully I've, I've got a, a program that allows me to try and do it better every day. Um, and, it, and it's successful, you know. I, I'm way better at it now than I was 10 years ago, <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Um, you know, sanity... San, sanity now looks like um, caring about people that I don't know, caring about people I do know, and putting them their needs above mine. Um, you know, san sanity looks like um, you know altruism. I guess you know this is an altruistic program that we we are in here and um, talking to our our brothers and sisters about uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and you know it, it taught me how to leave myself at the door and come in for the people that are sitting around me. Um, that, that's what sanity looks like in my life today. Um, insanity in my life today, still, still, I, I still struggle with a lot of the same character defects that I did uh, previously. I just, I'm better at hiding them, I think. <laughs> Which is, I think that, that counts as progress. Um, so, and uh, I think that's how I got on second step. Third step, and actually this one is, my favorite step. I love this step. Um, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Um, when, I, when I took this step, so I, I grew up in a, a Christian household. I, I had a belief in God my whole life that I never truly turned my back on that, that faith. Um, I didn't really uh, spent a lot of time thinking about it for a, for a number of years there, um, but I never I never fully turned my back and you know gave God the finger and you know went my own way so to speak. Um, I just stopped caring about what God thought about me. Um, so when I when I came to this step, it, it was. It wasn't like a full burning bush experience, you know, that, that spiritual experience they talk about in, in the book that, that Bill had. Um, but it, it was an instantaneous moment of relief in my life that I'd never truly experienced before. Um, it was this instantaneous, um, okay, I've made this decision. A lot of people don't call this an action step, but this was an action in my life that moved forward throughout everything I did going, you know, from that day on. And I try and keep that in my mind as I, I um, go about my daily business. Um, what happened on that day was, it was this release of emotion, this release of um, pain, and this release of worry. Um, I, I cried like a little baby, I'll, I'll got to admit. <laughs> um, and it, it just meant that there was something out there um, that I could rely on, that cared about me, that I could build a relationship with um, in my life that would, you know, would never abandon me. Um, so, and, and that's one thing I, I've, I've learned. 
<laughs> One thing I've, I've learned that, um, you know, there, there's one thing in my life, you know, not, not my parents, not my brother, not my wife, not Alcoholics Anonymous. There, there's one thing in my life that has never turned its back on me. No matter what I've done, no matter who I've messed up, no matter, no matter what, God has always been there for me. Even when I didn't have him in my mind and in my life, um, God was there watching out for me. Um, I, I believe that completely because if that wasn't true, I wouldn't be here. I, I, I would have drank myself to death by now. So it's, th this step is so important to me because it gives me a place to go when there's nowhere else in my life to turn. And that, those moments have happened in sobriety um, where I messed up bad. And I, I, I didn't feel like I could turn to Alcoholics Anonymous. I didn't feel like I could turn to my parents uh, or family or friends. But I was able to turn to God, and he was there. And he helped me through that moment in my life that was, it was tough. And um, because of this step in my, my faith, I was able to move that through that and come back to Alcoholics Anonymous. And, you know, the fellowship is so important to me. Like, don't get me wrong. Even though I say, I, you, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous is a group of people. People are flawed people. Alcoholics Anonymous is a flawed program, you know, in that sense. Um, but I absolutely love this program. This, there's, you know, uh, my, my gratitude for what we do here is inexpressible. I can't put words to it, truly. Um, so, yeah, I, I just, you know, this third step, you know, I don't know if you heard in my voice, I get a little emotional talking about it sometimes. But um, this step, I believe, was, a, was an action in my life. So I, I'm really grateful that uh, I, I'm grateful that this program exists. I'm grateful that um, Bill and Bob and the original members of this program were inspired to write this, I, I believe, by God in this way. Um, so it's, yeah, I'm going to start rambling here soon or crying. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to hand it over to Cody. <laughs> Thank you all. Thanks, <laughs> hey, Sean. Um, Cody, I'm an alcoholic. Is that is it too loud? Is it is this good distance? Is this working? Okay. Um, yeah. So that was a lot. Uh, step one: <laughs> admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Is it? Can anybody else hear the reverb? That's okay. It just we're dialing it in. <laughs> Let's see. Okay. Is that all right? Um, so the first step for me, you know, I a uh, little bit of backstory. My my dad's been in this program since before I was born. Um, and growing up, it was always one of a, a, those like weird conversations you have. That's not really a conversation. It's just kind of like a hey, watch out. Um, and so growing up, I always knew that if I had a problem with alcohol, I could come to AA. Um, and in the last little bits of my drinking, I remember one of my family members would say, do you think it's time for a meeting yet? And I'd say, no, I'm not done. Um, you know, I knew I had a problem. I knew it wasn't going right, but I, I wasn't done. And 
Um, you know, my last drunk wasn't any different than most of my blackouts. I really liked blacking out. Um, and on paper, it was, it was pretty much the same. You know, nothing crazy happened. I didn't get arrested or anything. Um, and when I woke up that next day, I had a, a very clear thought of I was going to die if I didn't stop. Um, and for me, I think that was my first, that was my little burning bush experience with it. Um, and so I, I knew that I had a problem with alcohol. Um, I knew I couldn't do anything about it, and I knew, hey, you know, you're supposed to go to AA. That's just, you know, I just knew that. Um, and so coming in, um, you know, it was a real shock to me saying that, I, admitting that I was an alcoholic. Um, I remember it feeling like it hit me in the chest. Um, the first step, you know, I think I like the saying that the only meeting we're late to is our first one. And for me, admitting that, that I was powerless over alcohol, it, it really, you know, that was my first big ego hit, I like to call it. You know, it really brought me down uh, to size in a, in a quick instant of, you know, I don't know, this isn't where I wanted to be this young, this kind of sucks. Um, <laughs> but my, my life was unmanageable. A lot like uh, Sean said, you know, my bills are paid. You know, I never missed, I was never late on a bill. Um, you know, there were certainly weeks where I had $60 in my bank account, and it was either a bottle of scotch or some more gas for the rest of the week, and I thought, well, I'll just, you know, I don't have to work, so I'll just stay at home. But I, I, de I definitely had that, that bottle of alcohol. Um, you know, I, I wasn't showing up to my parents' things. My sister played soccer, and I, I was there for years, and then I just wasn't for, for quite a while. Um, you know, those relationships that he was talking about that are so important, I... Yeah, it was, it was exactly the same. You know, my, my job, I didn't lose my job, fortunately. Um, maybe should have. But, you know, going into work every single day and my, you know, my boss is like, how are you feeling today? And I'm like, well, I think I accidentally drank too much last night. Um, <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay. But it's, it's every day that I'm like, oh, I accidentally drank too much last night. Like, how, how many times is it no longer an accident? Um, you know, and... And so my life had become unmanageable. And I couldn't, you know, I was of the thought that if I showed up, you should be happy that I showed up. It doesn't matter that I wasn't very nice to you, but I graced you with my presence. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> and, and that just stopped working. You know, people didn't want me around anymore, um, you know. And I, I couldn't see that until, until I came in here, until I looked around at people who were happy. And I'm like, why in the hell are you happy? It doesn't make any sense. Like, do you not feel the way I feel? Well, yeah, you feel exactly the way I feel, and you know it's not that big of a deal. Um, and we're going to work through it, and there's, there's a program that will help. Um, but I remember coming to my first meeting, and I was like, God, you guys, it doesn't make sense. Like, you're not alcoholics. You don't get me. Um, you know? And um, yeah, you know, for me, it's, it's the realization, that first step, that I don't have any control. Like it's that beginning of that process for me of realizing that I can't, I can't do it myself. Um, and the, the more I try now, you know, when I have those moments where I try and take back a little bit of control over my life and I try and manage it and it's gonna go this way or I have an expectation over something, it goes 100% the wrong way. Like it is not even close. <laughs> and um, I think a big part of that is, is, you know, trying to force something, it just, that's all I'm trying to do is I'm trying to force, force what I want, um, force my expectations. 
So that's what I have on the first step. Um, the second step came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Um, I remember a lot of the first conversations with my sponsor were trying to get me to realize that I was insane and that I, you know, and like we, there were quite a few conversations of like, let's talk about control. Like, did you have control over your drinking? And I'm like, well, yeah. And he's like, well, walk me through it. And I'm like, well, I would drink at a party. I'd go home and I'd keep drinking. And he's like, is that normal? And I'm like, I, th I think. I don't, <laughs> I've never asked anybody what they do after the party. <laughs> um, and so there was a lot of those conversations of just getting me to realize like, hey, yeah, you, it's not normal. Like, just real, accept that. It's not normal. Um, you know, realizing that I'm insane, that like, it is insane to, to show up to my family and be, be a dick and be like, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm going to go anywhere else now because I don't like you and still expecting them to like me. Like that's, that's insane. Um, it's insane to get upset. And I, I still struggle with this, but to get so upset at people for not doing what I think they should do without even talking to them about, hey, maybe you should try this or, you know, especially at work seems to be the big one where it's like, why can't you just do your job the way I do my job? Um, and I still struggle with that. And it's insane to, to think that other people are going to read my mind, go, you're, that's a great idea. Yeah, I really like the way you're doing it. And then do that. Um, but I, you know, I still sometimes have that thought of like, why can't you just like that ah moment, like I'm just sitting there seething. Um, and so, you know, that the, the came to believe that a power greater than ourselves, that was, um, I'll kind of touch on the third step, I guess. Well, no, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, oh, goodness. Um, I, I came from, my family was very, um, my dad was ex-Catholic. My mom was ex-Catholic, somewhat Methodist, but we, none of, neither of them practiced. We never went to church. Um, and for me, I, at a very young age, decided that I was going to be very atheist because science made a lot more sense than uh, religion did. And I didn't think I needed a God or you know, I didn't understand the want of it. You know, I, re I really thought you were weak if you thought that. Like, I really thought, like, wow, you need somebody who's going to take care of you like why don't you just take care of it yourself um and so my sponsor started it out as um well why don't you come up with a higher power that you like just write down whatever you like it doesn't matter what it's going to be just give me a couple of characteristics and we'll talk about it um and that was the first time that I had heard somebody talk about God in a way that I liked um in a way that wasn't you know I don't like being told what to think or what to feel or believe and it really kind of surprised me when he was like yeah you can just make what up whatever you want. Like, it doesn't matter to me. Just get something that's not you. Um, and it, you know, that's again, that, that starting to bust my ego down of, um, as long as it's not me, as long as I'm not the center of attention, I'm not the one running the show. Um, that's the only, that's the only important aspect. And that, that's how I share it with people that I sponsor. Like, I don't care if it's a tree, just something that's not you. Cause that's, that's what, that's what I needed was just something to be in control that took away all that stuff, all that, everybody else's actions. I didn't have to worry about it. Um, and so that was how I, I came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity was um, just that understanding that it's, it's bigger than me. I'm not the center of attention. I'm not in control, and it doesn't really matter what I think.
Um, it's going to go the way ever, however it's going to go. Um, and that was a big, that was a big relief to me. I remember thinking that. I remember crying quite a bit once I really started, you know, just faking it even until I made it. Um, of, you know, I talked to my sponsor and I'm like, I got this problem, and it's like it's not really your problem. You know, you don't have to worry about that. And that that relief off my off my shoulders. You know, I'm trying to carry something that's not even mine to carry, um, and to not have that, I just remember feeling so liberated, just so light from it. Um, that's what I've got on step two. Uh, step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Again, that's, that's something that I just like about the program is it's, it's always as we understood him. Um, it never tells us how our higher power should be. Um, and that's probably something I should write down on my fourth step on, on religions. But I, I really enjoy that. I really enjoy that it's as we understand him. Um, and, and making that decision, I think, it, I think that is an action step. I think most of these steps are action steps. There's some action that I can take, whether it's mentally or you know, I'm actually writing something down. Um, but making that decision, that's, I have to do that every day. Um, that, that is a, a thing that very quickly I can take back. And even sometimes throughout the day, you know, I'll start the day off, right? And I'm like, man, I want you to be in control. And I get to lunch and I'm like, I want this back, please, just a little bit. Let me have this. Um, and then all of a sudden, I'm irritable, I'm discontent, I'm angry at somebody, I'm giving somebody a dirty look for whatever reason. Um, you know, and, and it's a, it's a, it was a hard thing at first to give up that control. Um, it was really hard to not want, you know, because what am I without, without making decisions? Um, and I heard a speaker once on, a, on YouTube say that, well, you're nothing, and that's, that's, the, that's the goal of it. You know, you're a servant to, to your higher power and doing what he wants. And you don't have to worry about anything. And I, you know, I really like that of like, you know, I, 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 my ego wants me to be the biggest guy in the room. It wants me to be Mr. Hotshot um, in, in whatever it is. And when I, when I mentally try and give that away, and give that to a higher power, my ego revolts. It's like, no, man, like this is, you know, I, you should be, you should be the higher power, I guess. Um, and so I, I, it's just a constant battle for me inside of, of just constantly giving it up. You know, it's a conscious effort to give it up. Um, and I think that that's part of that faith without works, faith without, yeah, faith without works, I think. Um, you know, like, that's the works for me. You know, it's, it's a lot of the other steps, too, but it's also just that, that constant conscience effort to give it over to my higher power because I, I can't do it. No matter how much I want to, um, no matter how much I think I can, I just can't. It'll never work out the way that I think it will, and I just have to accept that. And I think that's a big part of, of step three, too, is that acceptance um, of, of accepting the results, you know, plan the plan, not the outcome, and just accepting that it's going to be whatever it's going to be, and that's okay. Whether it works out the way I think it should or I want it to or not, um, just as long as I give it up and I don't drink, then that's how it's supposed to be. That's how it's supposed to work out. And I, I, I like um, when something happens and looking back and, and thinking, man, if I had, if I had planned that, I'd have showed myself short. 
you know, and that's really been my experience in this program is, is the way I thought my life would turn out today was so much less than it actually is. Um, and it is so much better in the program and the fellowship um, with a higher power making those decisions for me. Um, Cause I, you know, I'd still be alone in a nice apartment with my bills paid maybe, you know, if I was lucky enough not to die or get arrested. Um, but it certainly wouldn't be the life that I have today, you know, being here, being able to share my story a little bit, I guess. Um, so that's all I have. I think we kind of, kind of rushed, kind of went through it a little fast. Um, so if you, right? Yeah, it's 1030. What time do you, yeah. It goes to 11. Yeah. So if you guys have any comments or questions or we kind of plan this as like a panel. This Yeah. yeah so panel. It's supposed to be a panel. I've never been to a, a panel discussion because that's not close enough. Um, so I don't really know how that format's supposed to work exactly. But I think we just, if you have questions or comments, um, shout them out or raise your hand and we'll do that or So uh, if you, for those who couldn't hear, the question is, is do we feel like because of our, our varied upbringings and, you know, an atheist and a Christian, if we felt like that affected our ease at doing the third step, if it changed the way that we approached it, I guess. Um, you know, for, for me, you know, li listening to a, a lot of people, and I, I've heard, heard mixed results um, you know, mixed stories, I guess. Um, a lot of people come in as, as atheists and not really having a, a higher power in their lives before that really struggle with this. Um, and I've heard other people say that made it easier for them, you know, because I've heard you, the recovering Catholic uh, syndrome where there's just so much anger against God. Um, personally, I never, I never felt that anger towards God. Um, so the third step was pretty easy for me. Um, it, um, yeah, I, I really, the, other than the manageability thing and realizing what sanity really means, I, the first three steps, I didn't struggle too much through those. Um, it wasn't until I got down to like fourth and fifth step where I really had to admit that I was a, a jerk. Um, I'm trying not to cuss as much, too, by the way. My mom scolded me recently. Uh, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so yeah, I, that was my experience with, with it. What, what was yours, Cody? I'm, I'm curious. Um, I, well, when I came in, I, I wasn't going to do it. Um, I, I wanted to do AA, but I, I, I spent quite a, probably about a, two weeks, maybe a week, uh, looking up how to do it agnostically. Um, and I found a meeting in Loveland that was agnostic, and I went 
I showed up to it. I was like 15 minutes early, and uh, nobody was there, and nobody showed up to it. <laughs> um, and so I left there. I was, and I, you know, it's Loveland. It's 7:30. I'm looking at the times, and I'm still. I don't know. It's maybe yeah, first or second week that I'm sober, and I'm like, I'm, I'm not gonna make it to a meeting. Like it, it wasn't. I could try. It was like I'm gonna be late to whatever meeting I can find. Um, so I was like, I'm gonna go drink. I'm definitely like this. That's you know what? I tried. I did it. Look at me. Good for me. Uh, I'm gonna go home and stop at the liquor store. And that was a good. That was a good little week. That was interesting. Um, and I ended up, I remember somebody at one of my first meetings said, call somebody before you drink. So I called Alfredo actually. Um, and then we ended up meeting that night and I got a sponsor. And so, um, it, I think showing up to that meeting and nobody showing up to it kind of, it, it was like, well, there's no other meeting that's agnostic that I could find in the area. And so I just kind of accepted that I would try it. Um, and so it was, it was hard until it was, like I said, it was put to me of like, just find whatever you like. Um, and realizing that there wasn't, you know, it didn't have to be the God that I understood at the time. Um, it was just the one that I wanted to understand and the one that I wanted. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't too hard. Um, especially after I wrote down those characteristics and we talked about it. And it was kind of funny because, you know, I'm writing down, I can't remember now, but we, I talked to Alfredo about it and he's like, well, it just sounds like those are some um, characteristics that you'd like to aspire to. And that's kind of the person you'd like to be. And so framing it that way made it easier, I want to say, because um, it, it gave me a goal to, to strive for a little bit. Um, you know, it's like, I want to be a little bit more honest and not such a jerk about it. I think that's what I said. I was like, he, he'll, I, I picture him sitting at like a bus stop and I can just go and like, t- I don't know why the bus stop, but he smokes cigarettes and I can go talk to him and um, ask him questions. But like, he won't tell me if I don't ask. And I kind of like, like, that's kind of, you know, that's something that I'm striving for still of like not sharing my opinion unwarranted. Um, <laughs> um, so it wasn't it. Being framed that way, it was, it was pretty easy. Once it was framed that way, but not, you know, I, come in, I came in and I had that contempt prior to investigation, and I was like, this is a cult? You guys are just diet church? Like, you say the Lord's Prayer at the end? I don't, like, I'll, I'll do it while I'm here, but I'm going to find a meeting that doesn't do that. Um, so, no, it wasn't, it wasn't too, you know, um, I think... If anything, it may be, you know, I didn't come in with that. I've, see, I've talked with guys who have that Catholic resentment, um, and I didn't have that anger towards it. It was more of a, um, for me, it was like, a, you know, science just made sense. I think I, I was 12, and I asked the guy at a vacation Bible school, and he's like 14, the poor guy. But I'm like, what's the difference between the Big Bang and God, made, you know, in the first seven days of God's world? And he was like, well, I think they're kind of the same. And I was like, yeah, this is a bunch of BS. I'm going to, that's the best answer you got? Well, yeah, 14-year-old kid. That's, I don't know what else I expected. Um, and so it just, it was more, I wanted to find answers to things. And religion kind of left it up to faith. And, um, you know, but by the time I came in here, it, the answers weren't working. Nothing was working. I wasn't happy. Um, and I remember looking at people who had religion. And I was always envious or kind of, you know, the same way I came in, and I'm like, why are you happy? Why are you just happy to be alive? That doesn't make any sense. Um, 
but I was just tired enough of what I had that it, it was like, well, we'll give it a shot. If it doesn't work out, like somebody in one of my first meetings said, you can have all your misery back. And I was like, cool. You know, I guess this, we'll see how it goes. So thanks for the question. Yeah, actually reminded me of a, of, of a story kind of. Um, one thing Alcoholics Anonymous has taught me that, um, you know, I didn't necessarily learn in church and it was, you know, this, this idea that everybody's got their own God. Everybody in this room is, there's many gods in this room as there are people, even amongst the Christians or Catholics or whatever religion. Um, and I, I, I was, this, that hit me one day and I was talking to my mom. And I was like, mom, I don't have the same God that you have, even though you raised me as a Christian. She said, Lord, I hope not. <laughs> you know, she was like, no, duh. And this was something that she knew her whole life. And it took me forever and sitting in these rooms and loving all you people, no matter what, to understand that, you know, even amongst the different religious groups that my understanding and my, my relationship with God is going to be different than my mother's or my father's or the, the other Christians sitting next to me or, you know, Cody here. So, and I, I just think that's one of the coolest parts of this program because it's just taught me so much love really just said hands down so just wanted to share that real quick hey elijah Go first this yeah. time. Um, I've I've never been a get on your knees guy. Um, that's just not my program, I guess. But early on, I I uh, was going to meetings really close to my job, maybe like five minutes. But I got off at four, and the meeting wasn't until five. And um, so I'd go and I'd get a tall Pike's place from Starbucks, and then I'd go and I'd sit in the parking lot. And I'd read, you know, I think I was reading Into the Wild at the time, but I'd read my book and I'd smoke a pack of cigarettes sitting in the truck. And I would sit there for an hour and I wouldn't, I, I knew that if I left or if I, you know, I'd have the thought of like, well, I should go work out first. Um, and a couple of months in, I did go work out first, but then I didn't go to the meeting because I was going to be late and I didn't want to be late to the meeting. Um, and so I knew for that, at least that first month or two, it, if I didn't go straight from work to that parking lot, I, I wasn't going to make it back. Um, I was very, it was just, it, it was a lot, I was full of fear of, I just, I don't want to drink and I didn't know how to do anything else, but just go to that meeting and sit there. Um, and so I, that's what I did. I just, every day after work, it was like four days a week, um, go and sit in the parking lot and smoke cigarettes. So that was, that was kind of my routine at first. Um, I was meeting with my sponsor once a week. He didn't have me call him every day. Um, I think it's sponsor. I think your sponsor kind of knows if you need that or not. Because um, I've asked him, and he's like, yeah, you didn't really need to call me every day. <laughs> um, but he was always available. Um, I think that was a big thing. Uh, I stayed after the meeting most times and just kind of – I remember just standing around, and I didn't really know anybody. Um, even a month in, it, it sure felt like I wasn't confident enough to just start talking to people. 
the way I am now where I'm like, hi, I'm Cody. It's like, ah, I just kind of want to. So I'd go and I'd stand outside and I'd keep smoking my cigarettes. I smoked a lot of cigarettes. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, I, there, there's a, I have a buddy who I drink quite a bit with and he's a, he's a good guy. Um, but that, that relationship, um, I, I kind of stayed away from, I guess, um, you know, and it was kind of funny because we talk about the friends that we have that aren't really friends and um, we still get lunch. We're actually getting lunch next week. But, you know, for as much as I wasn't calling him to see if he wants to hang out, he wasn't calling me either to see if I wanted to hang out. And um, I didn't have much friends outside of that. So it wasn't like I lost a whole group of like a whole group. But I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to lunch with him because that's we'd always get beer. And it was like, I'm not I don't want to be around that. Um, and I was very cognizant of of those situations. Um, but I was going to a meeting just about every day for four days of the week. I wasn't going the other three. So I shouldn't say every day. <laughs> I was going to four meetings a week um, and staying after and meeting with my sponsor once a week. Yeah, that was what I – what do you have? Um, yeah, man. Uh, so what I, I – I feel actually super lucky because when I, when I first got to Alcoholics Anonymous – I was of the firm belief that there's two types of people in this world, and I didn't like them. Um, I, I really didn't. I, the human race, I could care less. Um, but when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, um, there, there was this woman, her name was Christina, and she was just this short little Mexican woman, just total firecracker, just full of so much life and energy and just loved Alcoholics Anonymous more than I've ever seen in my life. And she would, uh, she just, she just adopted me, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm barely keeping it together. You know, I, it, it takes everything I got to sit on my couch and, you know, watch Star Trek reruns. And, you know, she'd call me up and just be like, what are you doing? I'm like, what do you think? I'm watching Star Trek on my couch. She'd be like, okay, I'll be there. And she'd be like sitting out front you know, when she called me, <laughs> and then she'd come in the house, drag my ass to a meeting, and, you know, introduce me to people, because she knew everybody, and um, so I would not have done that on my own, um, getting that involved in the program, getting that immersed in the middle of the crowd was not my, it's not how I do things, that's not how I operate, um, so she really forced that on me, and it was, I absolutely needed it. If I hadn't done that, if that hadn't happened, um, I probably would have stayed on the outskirts for the wolves to pick off. Um, so that that was a huge in my my early sobriety. It also um, got me comfortable going to meetings I didn't know. Um, you know, we'd wind up in Denver or Loveland, or we'd be in Fort Collins one day. Um, so that was that was pretty awesome. Just getting out there and really. Um, sucking in as much alcoholics anonymous I, I could get there's a lot of times too and she'd just poke me in the ribs and be like you you're you're under 30 days man you just need to listen just shut up and listen <laughs> stop talking you don't know anything about being sober first of all you've only got 30 days so just just listen there's time and place with your sponsor for you for you to talk and that's that's the right place to do it um you know and one the other thing that really helped me and I, and I think has helped a lot of my, my sponsees throughout the years was um, this, 
you know, because you know, I've, I've sponsored guys who were, who weren't Christian and really had no idea of what their God looked like. Um, so what what my sponsor had me do is he had me draw a picture. That's, this was my second step. Um, he said, "Sit down. I want you to draw a picture of what God looks like. If it's a a, a dude with a white beard sitting on a cloud, then okay. If it's a picture of the constellations, okay. I don't care." I don't care if you're an artist. I don't care if you'd like to cut pictures out of magazines and paste them and do collages. I don't care. I just want a picture of what you think God looks like. And I, I've done this with my sponsees ever since that. And it, the thing I loved about it, even, even though I had a, a concept of God, I had no idea what he looked like. I had no idea what he looked like in my life. And um, sitting down... And my, my drawing was terrible, I got to, <laughs> it was so bad. Um, but sitting down and spending that much time and trying to put pen to paper and create something that embodied what God was, um, was really pretty hard. Um, and it really made me think about it. And so it, I thought that was really helpful in, in my early sobriety. Um, so that... Those are a couple things, you know, and I, I did do the call my sponsor every day. I, I did need it. Um, the um, go to a meeting every day, I needed that big time. Um, Christina helped me with that one. She, I mean, if I didn't hit a meeting that day, like, she would show up at my house and be like, all right, I brought two guys. We're having a meeting now. <laughs> so um, that, that was, those were kind of my early sobriety like real introductions, I guess, into Alcox Anonymous. Hey, Jim. Hey, Jim. Hey. <laughs> Try it. <laughs> Yeah, I, actually, I'm, I'm curious what other people might think about that, too. I, a lot of times I'll ask people, <laughs> do you want to get through this, like, now? I encourage doing it now. Um, but, um, yeah, I usually try and jump in pretty fast with a sponsee. Um, I don't see any reason to beat around the bush. The faster you get through your first set of steps, the better. Um, no, I mean... If you don't get it all out there the first time around, there's, you'll be sober that long. You can do it again. Um, that's kind of my, my outlook on it. But um, I, I don't try and push people too hard when I'm sponsoring. Um, if they've been sitting on a fourth step for three months, I start pushing. <laughs> what, what about you? Oh. I'm Aaron. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Mary. Hi, Mary.
Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I think, because I've, well, I guess I've only had two sponsors. One got to uh, the doctor's opinion, and that was it. Um, but for me, it's just going through the the book chapter by chapter, and just following through. Um, the guy I'm working with now, we've kind of, uh, it went slower than I would have liked. And I think it was because it's, you know, he's my first real sponsee, so it's trying to figure out the timing of it. And um, But every time I've talked to my sponsor, he's like, yeah, what did you do? I'm like, oh, okay, all right. Um, and so it's just following through the book, um, three months. I don't know if I could sit on a four-step for three months. That would have, I think it was like two weeks, and I was like, hey, man. And he's like, yeah, I'm out of town next week. I'm like, oh, I'm not, you got to be kidding me. I need to get this done. So I usually give, um, I think, you know, two, three weeks, I've heard of some people who were like, yeah, well, you, you got you to till next week. Like, there's no – if you don't have the time, you need to make the time and sit down. Um, I think, I think kind of, yeah, the faster you can get through it, the, the better you feel about it. Um, I've heard of a lot of people who get lost in um, limbo with it where they just kind of, like, push it off a little bit, and then all of a sudden they're coming back in and they've relapsed. Um, and I know that that would have been for me if I had sat on any of the steps for – for just that little bit too long of, you know, especially when you get to the fourth and fifth step, um, or even eighth and ninth, and you're just sitting on that, and it's just sitting in your in your gut constantly. Um, you know, because that's a lot of stuff, for me at least, there was a lot of stuff being brought up that I hadn't thought about in a lot of, or didn't want to think about for a long time. Um, so as fast as we can get through those, that's, that's what I try and do. Any other thoughts on that from the from you folks? Any other questions? Um. I have a question. <laughs> Alfredo alcoholic. Hey, Alfredo. Um, so early on, um, step one, you guys talked about how your life was unmanageable. What does the manageability of your life look like these days now versus how it was? Do you have like specific examples that you've been able to see kind of, uh, you know, just happen? What do you, what do you think? That's a, that's a good question. Putting it, put it into reality. Right. Um, you know what, one thing I've, I've noticed cause my, my unmanageability was a lot of my personal relationships and, um, I, I tend to, I, I get I get irritable at work pretty frequently. Still, it's getting better. But um, prior to Alcoholics Anonymous, I I would get mad at somebody at work, and I would just that was it. You know, they they were an enemy for the rest of you know my employment there, um, and I would never really say I was sorry. Um, I would never make amends for that. Now. Um, I, if I get testy with somebody at work, 
I mean, it's like next day, and I don't, I don't even really think about it. I, I think about it, you know, to to the extent like, okay, how do I make a proper amends to this person instead of just apologizing? Because, you know, I've, I can't tell you how many times I've said I was sorry, um, but it's uh, it, it's amazing how um, I can recognize now when I mess up, whereas I didn't used to before, and I, I think that has really helped my ability to manage my relationships and, um, you know, I, I can do this not only with coworkers, but I do it with my wife uh, more frequently than I'd probably like to admit. Uh, <laughs> um, how, how about you, man? Um, I, I, the man, I think the manageability for me is, is, um, is me, kind of like what you were talking about. Like I really try and watch what I'm doing um, and how I'm treating people, um, my actions. Um, I try, I try really hard. Sometimes, sometimes I don't. But to to not manage other people, I try not to manage anything as much as I can. Like I think that that's the <laughs> smart. Man, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, cause I like when I try and manage stuff, I think I get a lot of expectations. And that's that's something that I'm really trying not to not to have, um, which is hard. I think, especially conceptually for me, like when I think about it too much, like how do you not have any expectations about anything? Um, and I think for me, like that's the goal is like not that it's not that anything ever gets more manageable, just that I flow with it. Um, if that makes sense, like instead of trying to like walk against a river, like just kind of floating along. It is what it is. Wherever I end up, that's kind of cool. Um, and I think as much as I can do that, you know, because I don't, you know, when I look at my life now, it's it's got to be more unmanageable than it was. Like, I'm busier than I've ever been um, with things to do and people to see. And, um, you know, when I, like, look back on the last couple of years, it's like, man, I've never really, I haven't really stopped just doing stuff, I guess, trying to stay busy. Um and so not trying to manage anything, just trying to flow, I think. Yeah, yeah I, you know, being flexible. You know, that, I, I like that idea of not having expectations and trying to manage expectations, so to speak. But, you know, I, I have ideas. I've got goals in my life. I've got desires and things that I want to do. But the, the ability to be flexible when those things don't do go exactly like I want them to has been really helpful in my serenity because <laughs> like, like, like you were saying when I when I get an idea and I'm like this is how this is gonna happen I you know and I'm gonna make it happen life it, it's like nope <laughs> that is not how this is gonna happen it's gonna happen exactly the opposite and you're gonna be miserable um, so I find when I've got an idea, I make a plan, I go forward with that plan and that I have expectation of what it's going to turn out and it turns out a little bit different, okay, I can take that, that's fine. I'll just, you know, I'll tweak it a little bit and maybe we'll steer that way this time. You know, it's, um, I've, I've never done a lot of whitewater rafting or rafting at all, but you kind of just go whatever the way the river is going to point you. You, you, you. you row a little bit, you're kind of like, I want to be on that side of the river instead of this side of the river because that looks scary over there um but you know that, that seems i think that fits I don't know. any whitewater rafters out there 
We might be able to take one more softball. Any softballs out there? These tough questions are tiring. <laughs> All right. All right, let's give them a big hand, guys. Thank you, guys. Sean and Cody, thank you. Thank you, guys.